Hello, fellow dog-powered sports enthusiasts. This is Chelsea Murray, and you are listening to Positively Dog-Powered, a podcast that dives deep into the real world of positive reinforcement training and dog-powered sports. Hello, everybody. We're back with another episode of Positively Dog Powered, and I'm really excited about today's episode. So one of the things when I was first kind of getting started, you know, moving my uh, path from recreation to more of the competitive side, I had no idea how to find events, you know, what the different sanctionings were. And so today I'm excited about our guest, Meredith Michener, who is going to talk to us all about ISDRA. She is the new executive director for them. Meredith, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, you're welcome. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about this chat. I think this will be really nice. It'll clarify a lot of questions, hopefully, that people have about what ISTRA is and kind of what sanctioned races are all about. But before we dive into the bulk of our information here for this episode, do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and how you personally got started at Dogs? Sure. So um, back in, I want to say, 2000, 2001, uh, I used to be in human resources. So I worked for this really big healthcare company, and our childcare situation changed at home, changed at home. And my husband and I, we were discussing what to do. And ultimately, we made the decision that I would stay home with the kids. And um, the first thing that happened was, we got a dog. I was, we both worked a lot. We did not have time to give a proper home to a dog. But um, once, once that obstacle was cleared, I was like, we are getting a dog. And uh, so our first dog is his name. He's actually 15 years old. Um, his name is Leo. And I would walk him all the time. And I took him to the dog park every day. And he was always the fastest guy at the dog park. He always wanted to be out front. He was the one who led chase. You know, he wanted to sort of play tag, but nobody could ever catch him. And I was like, God, there's got to be something I can do with this dog. And so, you know, I did what people do. And I Googled. And I'm like, activities to do with your dog. And it came across this thing called dog scootering. Um, as it turned out, there were a couple people in my area that did it, which is so weird because who's ever heard of dog scootering? Um, and so my first mentor, his name is Dave Ryan, and uh, he was he was such a good, or he is a good ambassador for the sport. Like he sold Diggler's and a couple of other types of scooters back then, but he was really interested more in getting people out exercising with their dogs. So it wasn't like a hard pressure sale or anything like that he's like try it if the dog likes it if you like it I'll you know we'll find a way to get you a scooter and and we'll go from there so um turned out Leo really liked it and then shortly like really shortly after that I ran into one of my best friends now Enza Robinson who a lot of you guys know um she lives 10 minutes from me we had never met each other but we ran into each other at the dog park and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this thing, dog scootering. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to do dog scootering. And so we started training together and uh, then competing with each other. And it's just kind of been fun ever since. I love so, that. I love that. What a great story. And I, he's a pound mix. He's, he was not a sled dog, but he, he chose to be a sled dog. He was an amazing, amazing sled dog. He, he got that it was a race. 
it was really I think cool. That's so nice to hear though. Cause I think a lot of our listeners will really resonate with that. Like not everybody starts off with maybe something well-bred or purpose-bred or purebred. Yeah. They just, they've got a dog that's got needs and they're looking for outlets. And you know, then this love of the sport for both the human and the dog develops and everyone grows together. I remember uh, my first race was uh, a race down in Maryland. It was the Fairhill Challenge. Um, it was like a year after I got Leo. And uh, people were like, just wait, you're going to get more dogs. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm good. Just one, just one. Um, they're like, yeah, uh-huh. So I do that race. And um, we did the one dog scooter. And that course was very challenging. It was very hilly. Like I felt like I ran a marathon afterwards. And, uh, but I wound up in the rec class winning the, the one dog scooter. And I called my husband and I was like, oh my gosh, I won. I won. He's like, that's great. And I'm like, I'm not doing one dog scooter anymore. He's like, are you kidding? You just won. I said, I'm going to do two dog scooter. So yeah. And there have been several dogs in between that point in time. And now as far as, uh, who's been added to the pack. So yeah. So tell me about those new additions. What? You know, what kind of things have you been enjoying with them? Who are they? Okay. So I had, uh, after I caught the bug with Leo, and then I added um, an eight-year-old Alaskan um, husky who was just a giant smooshy space. He was the best. His name was Mercutio, which of course evolved into the name Turkey because Mercutio and Turkey. Um and then, and he made it till he was 14. Then I got a dog from my first, like, um, you know, competitive sled dog I got from Ken Laurie Cheesick, and her name is Frills. And a lot of people out there know Frills because she's just really pretty. <laughs> All my dogs have voices, and she kind of talks like this, and she just wants to be pretty together and look really good in pictures. But she loves running in the team. Like, she always really loves sled, and she's a lot of fun. Um, then I got Kona, who's the competitive dog that I'm racing now. Um, people know her on the trail, and she's the crazy gracer that I got from Jay and Sheryl Olmstead up in Sinclairville, New York. Um, and she is all heart. She's got the best drive. She's such an athlete. Um, and I almost died during her puppyhood because she was a crazy, <laughs> crazy crazy puppy. I cried all the time. Um, GSPs are not for the faint of heart. They're not. Um, so, and she's not strictly GSP, but she's very heavy pointer. Yeah. Um, and I had another dog named Fergus who I had imported from Germany. Um, but unfortunately we lost him a couple years ago. So, um, but he was also, he was a very sweet boy to his family. So, uh, yeah. And then we're, we're we're on the verge of uh, getting the new edition, just like everybody else. I think right now there's a lot of puppies on the ground, so hoping to get a uh, new edition to my my pack. That's very exciting. I feel like when we bring these new puppies into our home, it's always the ones that are the most challenging as youngsters that end up being the most rewarding. You oh. know, the ones that like make you question your sanity and you're like, do I know anything about training? What's happening in my house right now? And then you fast forward a couple of years down the road and you're like, oh, this is what all that was for. I, I remember, you know, I had been involved in rescues and uh, I used to tell people when they would get puppies 
and this is, I had never had a puppy yet. I had only had adult dogs or maybe I had puppies when I was like little, but I wasn't taking care of them when I was a child. So um, I would be like, oh, just, you know, you're crate training and they're screaming. Well, do a frozen Kong and just give them a frozen Kong. Um, I took my own advice and my dog screamed and screamed like she just wouldn't for hours and hours. So I, <laughs> I will never tell anyone like, oh, just in with them it'll be fine like fix it it? no you know nothing until you've been through that dog like yeah I do love that though again like I feel like every single dog that I've brought into my home I've learned to be a better trainer I've learned to be a better owner like it's just wonderful how they can shape you as a human you know and obviously you're teaching them everything but they're teaching you everything too and I love that dynamic Totally. Yeah. So you are, we're currently in off season, um, but by the time this kind of hits the airwaves, you're going to be a little bit closer to one of your big goals being a part of team USA. So talk to us a little bit about that. I'm so excited. Like I, I, I remember, you know, this was much earlier in my career and um, there was a world championship, a dryland world championship taking place in Bristol uh, Canada and, or Quebec. And, um, I didn't even know that this sport had a world championship. And I just remember thinking like, wow. And, you know, the the team USA that was going, they were all these people I'd seen their, you know, names, even on just the ISRA boards. And I looked up to them, like they were like superstars. And I thought, oh my God, if I could even just attend it would be the greatest honor. And I got to tell you, I, I like one, I can't believe I'm one of these people. Like I, it's, it's unreal to me, you know, cause I, yeah, it's just unreal to me and it's super humbling. Um, I'm so excited about the people I get to travel with. We have such a fun group. Um, but no, I, I am just, beside myself that I get to represent my country in anything like not many people in their life get an opportunity to be in a world championship anything and it really doesn't matter what the sport was like if it was you know like the senior olympics you still had to work to get there and I you know I do remember thinking back I was like oh my gosh I would love to go to a world championship and just like when I wanted to earn my first ISDRA medals, it it takes a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of grinding. Um, it is not cheap because you've got to go to a lot of races, you know, and you're looking at, all right, I got to get the best dog that I can get and I have to provide it with the best nutrition that I can and I have to, you know, do the best training that I can. And it means that I'm getting up extra early to hit the cooler temperatures and um, I'm, you know, having to, you know, once training season starts and then once dry land season, because I'm more of a dry land person. I love sled. I just haven't really I live in Pennsylvania we don't get the kind of snow in in Philly that other areas get but um I say no to a lot of other things um because my commitment is to this sport but I don't have any regrets because this sport has it's kind of defined who I am by now I found it I I thought it was going to be this hobby but it's really taken over my life um it certainly has 
taken over my family's life in a lot of regards, you know, and um, so getting to participate in the world championship is just a symbol of a lot of time and money and um, hard work and, and love um, and support because uh, I wouldn't be able to do it without my family's support. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited. And it's kind of cool that I'm like, I just turned 50 and I'm like to be a 50 year old woman and feeling like, no, I kick ass at something. Like I kick ass at this. And literally I'm in one dog scooter. All I do is kick my ass like over and over. And over. <laughs> um, it's fun, but it's challenging. And yeah. it gives you a reason to like get out and do something with yourself. So and then the other thing, too, I guess, with Spain, you know, I, I set my sights. We thought it was going to be in France um, at one point in time. I'm like, okay, well, France is a pretty accessible flight. I could get a direct flight from Philly or Newark or JFK or Baltimore to France because I'm nervous about having my dog on a plane for a really long time. Um, that whole thing is really overwhelming. So... I was like, okay, Spain is achievable though. I'm comfortable with, or France at the time. And then they moved it to Spain. But I remember thinking at that time, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be in a world championship, I got to, you know, I knew I had the dog, but now that I'm competing in one dog scooter, my background previous to this has been two dog scooter for a very, very, very long time. I needed to get in better shape. I was like, I am not going to be the chubby chick at the world championships. I wanted to at least look like I belong there. Um, so physically I've had to put myself through a lot of training to prepare for this as well. And I'm really glad I did because I feel great. Like when I was approaching 50, you know, this, this journey started for me over a year ago, um, joined Noom, um, started watching what I was eating. And then now I work with, um, Lucky Fox, um, Nick and Joy Weiss and Joy is my coach and, she constantly pushes me and challenges me. And I went from run walking for like a mile or two to being able to run for five miles without stopping. And I'm not fast. It's just that my fitness is better. And that's what I think it's it what it takes to, to be able to go compete in a world championship. It's not just your dog. It's you too. So a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work in season and off season, hard and work, hard work for the dog, hard work for you. But I love that you have found something that you're so passionate about that you've been able to kind of shape your life around it to make it happen. You know, that's yeah. pretty special. Not a lot of people have something that's that important to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited for you. I know there's a lot of people that are rooting on Team USA, so I will definitely be cheering you on from afar you. and wishing you guys some nice, clean runs and a great time because you guys deserve that. Yeah. So. One of your many involvements in the sled dog world is not only being a part of ISDRA as an athlete, but also you have now stepped into a new role as the executive director um, after being an at-large director for quite some time. So talk to us a little bit first, kind of like what is ISDRA? What, what is this organization? All right. So first, I was actually only an at-large director for a year. I've been involved in Pennsylvania Sled Dog Club and um, their board of directors for a long time. Um, joined ISDRA, the board, last year. Um, 
and then took on this role as executive director, you know, effective July 1st. So ISDRA stands for the International Sled Dog Racing Association. We are a sanctioning body. Um, we're not a club, okay? Like, I think there's a lot of people out there who think ISDRA is a club, and we're not. We are a racing association. Um, we provide a set set of rules and standards and guidelines, and um, we... Um, RGOs or, or race giving organizations will apply to us to have their their race sanctioned by ISDRA. Um, we also, you know, the thing that a lot of people know us for is our championship medal uh, program, the points program, um, which is something that you know you race over the course of the fall, the winter, the spring season, and whatever your your classes are, and you accumulate a number of points. And then, uh, based on how you stand at the end of the year, you could be winning a gold, silver, or bronze medal. Um, the other thing that we do too is we give uh, the best RGO. Um, an event of the year award too, which is also kind of cool. Very cool. So why, you know, if, if somebody is just getting into sled dog races, why might they want to join ISDRA and why might they want to attend an ISDRA sanctioned race? I'm going to answer that in reverse order. First, I think attending an ISDRA sanctioned race, again, like you can count on the fact that it's going to be a quality events, that there is going to be fairness at play, um, that you are going to be running in the same set of rules every single time you go to an ISDRA race, and there's no confusion about that. Um, it's great that we have certain kinds of personnel at every single race. There's always a trail boss who's going to monitor to make sure that the trail is safe. There's always a race marshal to interpret a very set set of rules. Um, so I think being able to count on a certain quality is what brings a lot of people to ISDRA races. Now, as far as why, I mean, I think that varies for everybody. I can say for myself, you know, I started out in this and, and I was just, Leo and I were racking it up in the sport world, you know, like recreationally. Um, I caught the bug and I wanted to be a little bit more competitive. I wasn't thinking in the beginning about medals, um, but I just wanted to get more competitive. I wanted to learn more about the sport. Um, I wanted to learn more about racing because I definitely knew I liked racing. And the way to do that and become better at something is to join an association and start racing with your peers. So whether that's a USFSS slash IFSS or, or if it's ISDRA or whatever, you know, whatever floats your boat, being part of an association is going to help you up your game and be a better dog person, dog driver. Um, you're going to learn more about better equipment. You're going to learn more about nutrition. You're going to expand your network. If you wind up getting into this to the point where you want to, you know, you're not just running your rescues anymore, which I mean, again, there's a, you can, you can do all of that and have a great time and you can still race ISDRA with rescues too. Um, but if you're looking to get more serious in the sport, Going to ISDRA sanctioned races means you're going to have access to different kinds of people where you're going to learn more things and you're going to get there. I know that I did not 
set out racing ISRA just to win medals. I wanted to see my name up on the boards though. And, you know, in the early years when I was like a middle of the packer, I knew like, I'm like, oh, I really want to see myself get ahead of, you know, this person or, you know, oh, this person's right behind me. I got to, you know, watch that. I wasn't necessarily thinking at that point in time, like, oh, I want to be at the top. I want to get the gold medal. It was just fun to have my peers to race against and develop very friendly rivalries and then see my name on a board. Like it's cool to be ranked. And at the end of the day, like, I, I mean, as much as, I mean, I love, I love, I mean, obviously I've been working on being a medal winner now for a long time. Um, I, I take it seriously, obviously, because this is a hobby that's taken over my life. But at the same time, too, I always remember we are doing this for fun. So why do I race for points? Because it's fun. At the end of the day, it's just fun. Um, and I've met so many people. I never would have. I, I wouldn't have half of the friends in my life if I didn't start racing ISTRA because now I'm part of a larger community and it's yeah. a community that is dedicated to excellence. No matter where your dog's ability is at, you're still committed to excellence. So that's kind of why I think it's important to become part of an organization like an ISDRA or a USFSS. I'd say ISDRA more, but you know, but I, you know, I'm a member of USFSS too. So yeah. <laughs> I love what you mentioned too about consistency and organization of events, because even as somebody who I personally haven't been racing that long, but I've definitely been in dog sports and doing dog things for a long time. And there's definitely a different amount of safety, enjoyment, um, you know, that you and your dog can get out of a well-run event, no matter what it is, you know, from agility to obedience, to barn hunt, to sled dog sports, an, an organization that is backing that event that holds them to a certain standard, you're going to walk away with a different experience for you and your dog, for sure. And I think that that's really, an, even though it can be intimidating, I think for newcomers to like go to their first sanctioned race, it definitely puts things into a different perspective for you as a racer, you know, going to an event like that and kind of seeing what goes on behind the scenes, um, watching all the other teams go. So it definitely is something that's going to give you a different experience at an yeah. event and give you a different level of like learning and connecting than you would get elsewhere. Chelsea, that is 100% correct. Yes. Right. You don't have to be a pro to enter an inter-sanctioned race. There is... There's room for everybody in this sport. There's, you know, I mean, yeah, it's just going to be a different level of experience. I agree. So ISDRA has probably come a little ways now from where it was when it first started off, um, thanks to all of the hardworking people behind the scenes. But can you share with us a little bit of the history of ISDRA? Sure. So um, it started back in 1966, and it was actually um, some Canadian mushers and U.S. mushers who got together, and they wanted to unify the sport and come up with the standard racing um, set of rules and guidelines and whatnot. So that way, you know, again, uniformity um, could happen. And uh, I think... What I remember reading is it was actually primarily like, primarily like an Eastern Canada and Northeastern, like New England type of, um, is where the roots are, but it's spread um, across both 
uh, you know, to the Western side of both countries. Um, and what's funny now is it's more central and uh, Midwestern um, states is I think where the concentration of our membership is. Um, but now, you know, it's growing again. So we got, you know, a whole new contingent of racers in the South who were really enthusiastic about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, and doing a great job. I mean, gosh, the race that uh, Anna put on, um, and you know, you were you were helping out as what you were chief judge, right? Or yeah, I was chief judge. That was a really good quality event, and you guys were all kind of still nude, Isra. Um, yeah. But again, went down there, quality event. Um, so yeah, sorry to get back on that, but so yeah. We started out as a group of Canadians and Americans or United States um, folks who were trying to get some unity. Um, ISRA was actually really active in other parts of the world as well, but over time, IFSF grew more in importance there, and Shank, you know, ISRA just became less important. But I had some goals to try to expand our. Uh, influence again and uh, not to compete with IFSS um, or USFSS because er we all have a place and we all have different mandates. Um, but I think that there's plenty of room for all of us. And I think there could be room for ISDRA back on an international level as well. Okay. Yeah. So do you mind going into that a little bit more, um, the different organizing bodies and kind of their similarities and differences. So we've got the United States Federation of Sled Dog Sports, which is kind of our U.S. chapter of the International Federation of Sled Dog Sports. And then we have ISDRA, or the International Sled Dog Racing Association. So as our resident ISDRA expert, can you kind of explain where some of the similarities and differences are between all of them? So I think that, you know, the main thing is like, what both are race sanctioning organizations both have a set of rules um organ, race organizers can duly sanction ifs oh, when i say i i do tend to use ifss and usfss a little um you know honestly uh, yeah i yeah. mean but they, they are different but one's a federation yeah. the other so um you know we have rules that are similar enough that we have no problem duly sanctioned and the rgo can choose which set of rules they're gonna they're gonna go by and both organizations are fine with that um okay. ifss and usfss their main goal is towards ha having world championships um, and, you know, ultimately, IFSS would like to see dog-powered sports make it into the Olympics. Um, you know, and that would probably, if, if we have a shot of that happening, it'll be with the small, the small team stuff. Um, ISDRA really is not about, like, our goal is not to put together a world championship team and send it to different world championships. What we have is, you know, again, it's a sanctioning body, but our kind of fun thing that we participate in is the championship medals program. Um, and I think that that, and it's very celebrated in ISDRA, whereas IFSS does have a medals program, but it's not really made that big of a deal um, of. Um, 
we have our annual conference as well, which, you know, not that again, IFSS has one too, but it's usually in like a really far away place, whereas we've yeah. always had and that and our conference is a lot of fun. We have a lot of educational speakers and um we're looking to develop that even more actually. So yeah. So when we are looking at our ISDR sanctioned races, you know, you've mentioned a few times the awesome um, awards program and championship points that people can earn through ISDRA um, to kind of get on the podium at the end of a racing season in their specific class. Um, those points are earned at races, those points accumulate and end up leading to this leaderboard. But do you mind going into a little bit about how points are determined at an event and how someone could kind of look ahead at the schedule and decide which events would be the most important for them to chase points? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, so here's what you need to know about points. Um, points are determined by the size of the purse, how many days are run. So, you know, when there's a one day race versus a two day race, you're, you're going to have more points during a two day race. Um, mileage of the trail and the class size are all part of how the points are calculated. Now, the other point, which has actually been a little bit of a, a tough spot for us, is that um, depending on your ranking at the end of the year, points would roll over from year to year. We found that this has caused some inflation of points in certain classes. So um, the result of that is that, um, you know, if any very highly ranked musher shows up to a race, the number of points they bring just by being there brings a lot of value to that race. And that became inflated or outsized. So um, Dave Steele, who is a brilliant guy, and he is a math head, and um, thank God for him, but he looked at the points formula at a very, uh, very deeply, and he was able to fix this inflation thing that was happening. Um, so what's going to now be used is you're going to have the drivers are seated, but that rank is going to get a certain number of fixed points, and the driver's historical points will no longer come into play. There's going to be a built-in, um, like almost like an annual reset, which is going to avoid the points inflation for that aspect of the points formula. Does that okay. make sense? Okay, it does. Yep, it does. Okay. And I could see how that could that inflation could happen and become a little bit more challenging based on where people live. If yeah. there's less competition in their area, or they're going to races yeah. where you know these previous medalists are not attending that would right. impact their ability to be as competitive in the field. Right. So, and where that, that sort of leads into what you were talking about, like how to plan your race schedule. So it became almost, you know, you almost had to go like the Midwest is just, it's exploded big time. It, you know, when you look at the bike drawer um, classes and, and um, the, you know, the South, Candy Cross, like your mm -hmm. race in Georgia um, totally shook up points, which is yeah. actually an awesome. <laughs> but um, if you had two races happen on the same date, 
And one was like a Midwest race versus one in, you know, New England. And all of your medalists were showing up to that Midwest race. The New England race would have absolutely no shot at competing from a points perspective. It, it really made it, if you were chasing points, it, it made that other race unviable to go to. Um, now, you know, it sort of equalizes again, like, okay, now it's up to the RGO. They've got to have the the purse. They've got to have the, the distance, you know, hopefully it can be a two-day race and all these other factors. So it just evens the playing field, I think, for RGOs that anybody's race can be valuable because we don't have that inflation thing happening um, to affect it. I like that idea also from an RGO perspective, right? Like, Everybody puts a lot into these races behind the scenes to make them happen. And everybody, of course, wants their race to bring value to all the mushers that are showing up to run, too. And we have to think about, right, the, the goal is to have everybody involved and having fun and participating. And if only one region, and we have a lot of regions, you know, we're not yeah. just thinking about the Midwest, we're not just thinking New England, we're not just thinking um, the South, we're not just thinking the Middle there's Alaska out there, you know, there's, um, and they're a very poor, important part of Israel. Like we have to be thinking about the whole picture. And if we ice out a particular region's races, we're gonna lose them. And then guess what? Israel just got smaller. Right. And there will be an Isra. And, and then with the goal of growing the sport, that seems yeah. counterproductive. <laughs> right. And we need to remember, this is just a fun program for lots of people to participate in. So if you're going to, if you, yeah, again, if you're going to ice out all these other regions from having competitive races, you are actively hurting the sport in the, in the long run. Well, I'm excited to see what this shift does over the next year. And I know it's not yeah. the only thing that has been on your brain, you know, as yeah. you're kind of stepping into this position. Are you able to share with us anything, any goals that you have for the program or anything you guys are working on? Yeah. Hold on. And I made myself a bunch of notes because um, we're actually, so it's kind of cool. It used to be that ISTRA would meet once a year at the convention, but we have, you know, um, a lot of engaged board members. We have some new blood on there um, also, and everybody's working really well together. So we've all agreed to start meeting um, via Zoom at least quarterly. And, you know, we started at the conference this past year coming up with some great ideas, um, and we want to keep driving and moving forward. So also, that's why we're going to also meet quarterly, so that way we keep the momentum going. Um, some of the fun, I don't know, fun, but is some of the important things that we're doing is, first of all, um, top of our list is more RGO support. Um, if you are going to be a club or a race, uh, a race organizer and going to spend the money to sanction with ISDRA, and, you know, it does cost money and it's real money, we want to make sure that you're getting value and support out of that. So some of the things that we're going to do is... Um, we want our directors, whether you're a regional director or an at-large director, if you're going to have a race happening in your area, then we're going to reach out to you beforehand to see what you need during the race. What do you need? And then after the race to, you know, like, how did it go? So everything is going to be, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? And we want to be higher touch in terms of our outreach. And um, we want to help our GOs grow as well. 
Um, we want you to be able to feel, we want you to feel empowered and confident so you're putting on really good races. Um, so directors will be reaching out before, during, and after races. Um, the other thing we're working on is um, we're actually going to update our driver report form. And then right now the way it works is an RGO doesn't get the driver reports, like a, an aggregated report until, you know, the end of the year. We want you to get that feedback much sooner. So that way you know exactly what went well, what didn't go well. If you're going to have possibly another race, you know, in the spring or something like that, like what do I need to change? What do I need to address? Um, and your regional director is going to help coach you through that as well. So we want to get you that feedback. Um, we're also going to develop actually some online support groups. So we want to connect RGOs with one another. So that way you guys can share best practices, um, possibly have like a moderated um, group only for RGOs. It's not just for everybody to join. It's for you guys to be able to come together and share your challenges and ask questions. Um, so that's something we're excited about. Um, we are going to really actively work on um, re-engaging Canada. We haven't had a Canadian race um, sanctioned by ISDRA in a couple of years now. Um, we want to get that back. And so I'm actually really excited to announce that uh, Luke Searsma is going to be our new regional director for Region 11, which is for Ontario and Canada. And Luke is a really active sled dog racer. He's got a lot of success. He's very approachable, like super nice guy. He loves people. He loves dogs and he loves sled dog sports. So I think that he's going to be a great addition um, to help advocate for our Canadian racers and then also help promote ISDRA in Canada. So I'm super excited about that. Um, let's see, what else? Okay, so we're going to create um, some educational programs, and this will be for also in terms of RGO support. Getting volunteers is sometimes a challenge. We all know this, and I, I think it's because it's intimidating to people. Sometimes it's intimidating to actually volunteer. People are afraid they're going to get in over their head. They're afraid they're going to screw something up. So we want to create some educational programming for people who want to be race marshals and trail bosses and timers and all these kinds of important roles, because the more staff we have available to us in general, then, you know, the better we can all um, work to put on really high quality races. So that's exciting. Um, the other big thing will be I want to make a more robust junior program. Right now, we've got the junior championship medals program, but we only have a few members, you know, competing in the junior championship points. Um, we haven't, I don't even know the last time that we awarded a, a medal to a junior. So one, how do we bump that up? And two is maybe there's more we could do. It could be more than just a championship medals program you know can we make something that models after like 4-h clubs or or boy scouts girl scouts or, or or something like make it more about the dog husbandry maybe there's volunteer badges i don't know you know so i am actually going to be looking to recruit people from all the regions to kind of get together brainstorm and then come to us with a proposal you know like it's 
parents of kids, what do you, and, and you've got the kids, what do you want to see them do? What do you think they, you know, let, ask them what they want to do. Um, so that I'm going to, I want to drive from member feedback. Um, so if anybody out there has got kids and you want to see a junior program, come call me because I'm, I'm very interested in, in putting something together. Um, let's see, what else? Um, we are going to look more at animal welfare things. So um, we have some policies about vaccinations and, and having um, race veterinarians on call and whatnot. Um, we want to do a better job of making sure that that's actually the case. And that means that also potentially um, in the future, you know, everybody's supposed to bring their race vaccinations with them for inspection. I think we need to move in to a direction of putting some teeth behind that where we actually do, you know, whether it's a random sampling or not. So, um, and it's important to be able to match the dog with the, the, the vaccination records as well. So we're, we're kind of talking about that, looking into that, how do we um, actually enforce that? You know, that's a tough one too. So that's a, that's an issue to uh, work on. Don't know what all the answers are, but it's something we're talking about. And then finally, we may, we might in a few years have our first ISDRA Continental Championship or North American Championship or something like that. So, um, again, not to compete with IFSS. It would be something that would be scheduled, you know, on an off year or whatever, because I'm not looking to take away anything from the, that kind of championship thing. But, you know, people like competing in championship style races and it's just been around a long time. And I think that would be a great way to re-engage our membership is, is having some sort of, whether it's a continental championship or North American championship or whatever. So that, that's something we're also toying with. Oh my gosh, so many details from behind the scenes. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I'm very excited about that though, because all of that means that we've got engaged people on the board that are thinking about challenges in the sport and trying to make everything better, trying to make things user-friendly, trying to recruit more people to be a part of this community, which is essential as we look at growth for the sport. You know, We want a nice, welcoming, safe community for everybody, humans and dogs. Yeah, so I know that something else that has been happening and is kind of still being reworked is a user-friendly website where yeah. our listeners will be able to create profile pages and connect with other mushers and find out who their board members are they should be speaking yeah. to. Do you want to share a little bit about this? Because I know this has been a big project for ISDRA. This has been a huge project for ISDRA. Um, I think this is a bigger project that, than any of us anticipated, honestly. And I got to give a shout out to um, Josiah Burchard, who's been the developer um, who's been doing this, and then Lindsay Feldman, who has been on you know development and, and also sort of the product side of things. Um, they have been tireless. This is they have full-time jobs and families and they took this on as this cool project and labor of love. And it is, um, it's really big. Like it is really, really, really big. Um, and they really have done a great job. They're two smart people who are, have the right heart for this and they're engaged and they're passionate. Um, 
Yeah, so um, the musher profiles, I actually just updated mine uh, the other day, and it was really cool. So um, it was kind of fun to put some of my own, you know, like with my husband and I joke, he's my chief sponsor, and you can add sponsors. So I put up a picture of him, JM Industries, Jason Mitchner Industries. Um, but, you know, if you have sponsors, you can list their logo on there, um, which is really cool. You can have your social media handles on there, um, which is also really cool. Um, it's got listed all of your race achievements, you know, whatever they are, um, what events you've been to. It's just kind of fun. Um, RGOs can add the sanctioning function is live. So you can actually go on and do your sanctioning online. So that is ready to go. Um, by the time this airs, we're already going to be in mushing season. So hopefully it has gone well. <laughs> if it's not, I promise we will be working on it. Um, but uh, that's going to be good. And it's really quite intuitive on how to get through it. Um, I got to play with it in the beta version as far as how to sanction a race, and it was pretty easy. It's just a form to kind of go through. Um, and you're going to be able to list, you know, so clubs can list their sponsors. Um, clubs, it's going to be a nice advertising opportunity that, you know, sort of a great value add to give to individual club sponsors that they're going to get ISDRA, the International Sled Dog Racing Association's um, traffic uh, for their for their business. So we're really excited about that. Um, also, it's one place to put your like event information as far as here's what your parking options are, here's what the camping is, here's what the hotels are in the area. So um, all that information can be found in one place, which is really exciting. Um, yeah. And then like different contact information, the registrar and who's the president of the club and, you know, all those kinds of contacts can be found there as well. So it's really, and it's really good looking. Yeah, it is. It's really nice and clean, easy to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Meredith, so much information packed into this episode. I think this will help a lot of people figure out what ISDRA is and how to find races and hopefully we'll continue to just help grow the sport. Are there any kind of last words that you would like to leave our listeners with? You know, it's funny when you sent me the, uh, like the possible topics ahead of time, I'm like, oh, tales from the trails or advice or whatever. I think that my advice for all of you who are getting into the sport is don't promise your partner at home that this is the last dog. It never is the last dog. I've told my husband it was the last dog like four times um, and about to be a fit. So yeah, that's my best advice. Uh, yeah. So Keep and an then open it, mind and yeah, don't make any yeah, closed yeah. door promises. Don't, don't promise anything. Um, and I will say, like, if anybody has ever any questions about ISDRA or racing or, or anything like that, they can, you know, hit me up the, at the, you know, um, mmitchner at meredith.mitchner at isdra.org, or you will see me uh, at pretty much most of the races, uh, at least for dryland in the fall and the spring. So, you know don't be afraid to come say hi. And, um, you know, I'm pretty approachable. So you are, you are very approachable. <laughs> well, Meredith, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and sharing all of this awesome information with us. We really appreciate it. You bet. It was great to be here.
I hope that you guys are enjoying these episodes. And if you're looking to stay connected, don't forget about our social media channels. You can find us at Positively Dog Powered on Facebook and over on Instagram. And if you'd like to get a little more information, behind the scenes updates, some training tips and videos, and even early access to great episodes like this one, you can join our Patreon community. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support this show so that we can keep bringing you training content right into your speakers. So, until next time, have fun chasing tails on the trails. Thank you.